Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Tonight, we're going to be in Genesis 43 as we pick up back in the book of Genesis. And if you can hold a place in Genesis 43 and also turn to Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to look at a message tonight called Envy and Mercy as we continue to move through this portion of the book of Genesis that focuses on Joseph. Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ. And Joseph's been doing something very unique with his brothers. He's been putting them through the paces, testing them, really to see if they've changed. They sold him into slavery because of envy and jealousy. And he uh, was 17 years old when that happened to him. He stood before the Pharaoh at 30. We know from this story that there would be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. As we move into Genesis 43, we are in the years of famine. So just as a time marker, Joseph is approaching the age of 40, and he has been without his family for quite a long time. There's been a lot of hurt, a lot of wounds, I'm sure a lot of questions. But finally, because of a famine, as God would have it in his sovereignty, the brothers have come before Joseph, though they don't know who he is, but he knows who they are. And in chapter 42, we saw that encounter that took place, and we'll, we'll look back for a little bit to set some context, and then we'll move ahead. But as I mentioned, um, Ephesians chapter 2, if you turn there, as Joseph becomes a type of Christ with his brothers, and the mercy of God is on display, um, we're gonna, I just want to show you some verses in Ephesians 2, but let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for all the precious souls that have come here tonight. Thank you for your word, which is nourishment for the soul, light uh, to our path, uh, strength. We need it for perspective, Lord. We need it for power. Um, There's so many things that your word does for us, so please help us, Lord, to set aside every weight, every concern, uh, whatever there may be, Lord, that may be weighing us down, and let us just release that to you tonight. In exchange for that, would you give us your strength and mercy and grace? There are some people in this room tonight that are sick and some who are fighting illnesses and some who are just going through tough times, Lord, and you know every heart and you know what they need tonight. So I just pray that you would speak to every heart and bless them, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 3. It says, among them, Ephesians 2, 3, we, we too all... Uh, formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. If you're interested, that is a key verse to know what our nature was before meeting Christ. We were by our very nature children of wrath. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Just note that 
in the ages to come, which would point to the New Jerusalem and what's ahead of us in the reign of Christ and beyond, God is going to be showing us the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We're going to be at his table, literally, and it's going to be awesome. Now, in Genesis, uh, the book of Genesis, chapter 43, as we continue to mine these riches and look at the typology and look at the grand story of Joseph, Joseph and just what an incredible man he was, we're picking up the story in Genesis 43. And because we've, we've been away for a couple of weeks from the story, let me just backtrack for a second. Jacob has gotten the news that this Egyptian ruler that he doesn't know is Joseph has treated the, uh, his sons kind of strangely. He's asked some penetrating questions about their family and their little brother and their dad and uh, some strange questions that have arisen. And in 42.36, their father Jacob, 42.36 of Genesis, said to them, you have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. Now, Simeon stayed behind in the prison. And you would take Benjamin? All things or all these things are against me. Now, a lot of us, we, we said, yeah, I've said that before. Everything. You ever sit in your living room before? Everything is against me. <laughs> Maybe in freeway traffic. Everything. Church parking lot. Everything is against me. Hopefully not. Then Reuben spoke to his father and said, you may put my two sons to death. Now, I don't know if they were in the room, but I would be a little uncomfortable with dad making that commitment. If I do not bring him back to you, put him in my care and I will return him to you. But Jacob said, my son, this is Benjamin now, son of my right hand is what Benjamin means, shall not go down with you for his brother is dead and he alone is left. He's the only one I have from Rachel. If harm should befall him on the journey you are taking, then you would bring my gray hair down to Sheol in sorrow. And that's the way we ended chapter 42. And so this is the backdrop of the story now as we move into chapter 43. God is working out his plan, but Jacob has been confronted by these incredible things that have happened in Egypt. And the brothers are starting to realize that God is doing some things in their life, they're seeing the similarities, I'm sure that they've seen them, that this, this man, this Egyptian ruler that they don't know is Joseph, has spoken harshly to them. He's accused them falsely. These are all things that Joseph suffered. They spoke harshly to him. They wouldn't listen to his pleas to uh, spare his life. They accused him of being a spy. That seems to be at least implied because Joseph went and checked on the brothers. And he's putting them through the paces. Uh, now, he put them in prison for a few days, and now Simeon is in prison as well. If you go back to 42, uh, look at verse 19 for a second. We can pick up some of the things that occurred. He said, if you are honest men, Joseph confronting his brothers, let one of your brothers be confined in your prison. But as for the rest of you, carry grain for the famine of your households. Bring your youngest brother to me so your words may be verified and you will not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, truly we are guilty concerning our brother because we saw the distress of his soul when he pleaded with us, yet we would not listen. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. Now, they're starting to realize, man, whatever you know, role this Egyptian uh, leader has, things are coming back to us now full circle. 
They did not know, however, that Joseph understood, for there was an interpreter between them. And he turned away from them and wept. But when he returned to them and spoke to them, he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph gave orders to fill bags, fill their bags with grain, and to restore every man's money in his sack, and to give them provisions for the journey, and thus it was done for them. And so they loaded their donkeys with the grain and departed from there. So Simeon has now been left behind, and this is another test of Joseph. Joseph was left behind. He ended up falsely accused. He ended up in prison. And he's, he's now putting them to the test and, and wondering, are they going to come back for Simeon? Are they going to go back and get Benjamin? They're going to have to face their dad, and they're going to have to fess up what's happened here. And 42.28 tells us something else that happened. Then he said to his brothers, my money has been returned, and behold, it's even in my sack. And their hearts sank, and they turned trembling to one another, saying, what is this that God has done to us? And I think this is the first time that they realize that God is involved in this process. What is God doing right now? Have you ever been there before? A set of circumstances begin to fall together in some very interesting intersections, and all of a sudden you say, you know what? God may be trying to get my attention right now. Maybe God is in this. Has your heart ever sunk before as you begin to connect some dots and go, hmm, God may be speaking to me about what's going on. But when they told Jacob the story, Jacob wouldn't hear of it. He didn't want to release Benjamin. He had lost too much. What he didn't realize is that he had really lost nothing. He had lost time. But even Joseph that he thought was dead was really alive. So this takes us in now to chapter 43, verse 1. Now the famine was severe in the land. We're in the years of famine, severe conditions. This was Pharaoh's dream, seven years of plenty and seven years of famine, and they're in the famine season now. The seven years are literal. Sevens show up all over the dream sequence. So it came about when they finished eating the grain which they had brought from Egypt that their father said to them, Go back, buy us a little food. So now they've exhausted the grain. There's many mouths to feed. It's not just the brothers and dad. There's family, there's wives, there's children, servants, no doubt. And so there's many mouths to feed, and they've, they've gotten a lot of grain and individually carried it back, but now they've exhausted it. I don't know how much time has gone by. I don't know how many meals they've shared together, how far this grain has gone by. But I could imagine that however many days it was, there must have been a lot of reflection. Maybe it was quiet uh, meals over the grain, but how many times do you think they replayed their interaction with this strange Egyptian leader? How many times do you think they replayed the conversation and went, why did he ask that? Why would he ask about our family? Why was the money in our sacks again? What's happening here? Have you ever had a situation that was a really strange encounter? And maybe you even kind of were wondering if God was trying to get your attention and you replay it over and over and over again. And you look at it from different angles and dissect it and multiply and subtract and add. And if you've had too much coffee, you stay up really late doing it, right? I wonder how many times this happened. I wonder how many times they went over the story. I wonder how many times they tried to return back to normal but there would be no normal. You don't leave your brother behind in prison, have a weird interaction with an Egyptian monarch and return to normal. It just doesn't happen. By the way, 
Once you've really been exposed to the truth of Jesus Christ, you never turn back to normal, whatever normal might be. Amen? It's Mike Massaro, and you're listening to Living Truth Radio with Pastor Michael Lance. And we'll get back to the teaching in about 30 seconds. But I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available. It's Pastor Michael's book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's about spiritual warfare, how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The special offer is, if you go to livingtruthradio.org, that's livingtruthradio.org, and click on the Donate button, for any donation, we'll send you a copy of that book. Just make sure you tell us in the contact form that you'd like the book. Now, back to Pastor Michael. Man, when I heard the truth of Jesus Christ for the first time, I know I had gone into a church, it was very much like this, and I had grown up in uh, the Roman Catholic Church, had been away for a while, and then I went to an evangelical Christian church with acoustic guitars like Pastor Chris played tonight. He didn't have a Hawaiian shirt on, but most of the people where I was had a Hawaiian shirt on. And I was thinking, this is not church. These people have lost their minds. And look, I didn't become a Christian that night, but I thought a lot about what I experienced. I was looking around. I was planning exit strategy for half the church service. I don't remember anything that was said, but seeds were definitely planted in my life. Well, here they are. Here's this this family. But they're going to be forced to face their conscience. And I touched on this a few weeks ago that Joseph is putting them through the paces to get them to look at their hearts And when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, if you have a true encounter with Christ, one of the things that happens is you realize how sinful your sin really is. You realize, you know, you you come to this point in your life where you go, man, I didn't realize the depth of my sin and the glory of what my Redeemer did for me. I mean, sometimes you come to like an intersection in life and you, you realize how sinful sin really is compared to the glory and holiness of God. And so they're going to have to face their conscience. And Jacob has made a strong proclamation. He says, no way, Benjamin is not going. But here, we're going to find that Egypt is their only option. In fact, the whole world is really beholden to Egypt and beholden to Joseph because Joseph had a plan based upon Pharaoh's dream. And people are streaming into Egypt as the only way to get help in the famine. There's some interesting connections. I don't want to push this too far, but I was thinking, you know, when the Antichrist is reigning in the future, this is going to be one of the things that happens. We're going to have war, famine, and pestilence as you move through Revelation 6. And Revelation 13 says that this Antichrist will have a mark that people have to take, whatever that mark may be, and they will not be able to what? Buy or sell unless they have the mark. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine wanting to go to the market and be able to buy food for your family, and and you can't do it without this mark. And there are people who say, I'm going to put off trusting in Christ until all that weird stuff starts happening that my friends told me about. Then I'll believe, yeah, right. When your life's on the line, I'm not sure. When starvation might be (laughs) what you're facing, I don't think so. But in our story here directly, and I think this is the, the application we need to focus on tonight, Egypt is the only option that they have because this is God's plan because Joseph is leading Egypt right now, right? And they're forced to go to the only place that they can go to 
to buy grain or to find food. And this is how it works with Jesus. Joseph is a type of Jesus. And the only place to really find bread for the soul is Christ. You can dig up, you know, uh, other places. You can drink out of broken cisterns, but eventually you're going to thirst again and again and again. You're going to be hungry again and again and again. Nothing's ever going to really satisfy your soul until you come to Christ. And many times God will set up famine-type conditions in your life. Maybe the famine will be severe. In our land, we have a famine for the Word of God. Amen? We need to get back to the Word of God. But sometimes he'll put us in a position where we sense this hunger deep in our souls and we're like, where do, you, where do I go to find satisfaction for this hunger? And you go to the one who is Jesus Christ, the bread of God, the bread that's come down out of heaven. The prodigal son came to his senses in severe famine conditions. You all remember the story. He went and spent all of his inheritance and it says in Luke 15, 14, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be in need. And he went and attached himself to one of the citizens of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating and no one would give him anything. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. You know, the prodigal didn't really come to his senses until he began to what? Experience starvation. And sometimes we go and we, we get enraptured by the bright lights and the big city and the big money and whatever it may be, and we go and sometimes we find ourselves in want. Some of you have found yourself at the end of yourself with drug addiction or pornography or relationships that were disastrous. They looked good until you started to get into them and you realize, man, there's so much ugliness and selfishness in the world. And when you were in a famine-type condition, maybe that's when you cried out. You know, there's been many, many people that got saved when they were on the floor. Amen. There's many, many people that cried out to God. You may be one of them. And in these severe famine conditions, this family's looking at one another and they really have no other options, even though dad is totally against it. And so now Judah is going to speak. Judah is the fourth son, but he's become a leader. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. It is interesting to me that Judah speaks up. And Judah spoke and he said, the man solemnly warned us, look, Dad, we're not going to slip into Egypt and slip out. This, this uh, leader over Egypt, this man solemnly warned us, and he said, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Dad, we've been over this. <laughs> I wonder how many times they talked about it, right? This man said to us, bring your little brother or don't bother coming at all. And dad had to hear it. Jacob had to hear it. It is interesting that Joseph's name means let him add, A-D-D. Let him add, or Yahweh has added. It's interesting, Joseph is now in Egypt, and Jacob is afraid to release Benjamin, the son of my right hand. But in releasing him, God's actually going to add and not take away. 
But we're so hesitant sometimes to let things go, right? And you can understand why. Jacob is like, man, Joseph's gone. They got Simeon in jail. I'm not releasing anybody to these sons of mine. But we got no grain. What am I going to do? And so Judah, Reuben had done this earlier, and now Judah steps up. And Judah says, Dad, release him. Release him to me. If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy, buy you food, verse 4. But if you do not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. You must release the son of your right hand. No Benjamin, no go. No Tiki, no Washi. <laughs> where did that come from? I don't even know where that came from. Three Stooges? Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Anyway, the reality hit Jacob like a ton of bricks. I have to let him go. I've got no other option. Israel said, now, I just want to note in verse 6, sometimes people say in the Bible, when Jacob's name is used and he's acting like Jacob, and Jacob means conniver and heel catcher, the old, the old Jacob, Right? And when he's called Israel, he's acting like the new guy, governed by God, or God prevails. Well, look at verse 6. Israel said, why, do you, why did you treat me so badly by telling the man whether you still had another brother? <laughs> now, I bring this up because we got a call recently on the Bible Answer Show, and the, the lady was asking, and it's a legitimate question, when a name is used interchangeably, you know, a person gets a new name, and sometimes he's called Jacob, and sometimes he's called Israel. Is it always in concert with the way he's behaving? So he's acting like the old man or the new man. Well, if we take this example, Israel, it seems like he's acting like the old Jacob. He says, why did you treat me so badly? Why did you tell the man that you had another brother? Why did you tell him the truth? But they said, the man questioned us, particularly about us and our relatives saying, is your father still alive? Have you another brother? So we answered his questions. Could we possibly know that he would say, bring your brother down? What do you want us to do? This sounds like an Italian conversation at the dinner table. What do you have with my hair? What do you want me to do? I don't know. When my wife was first introduced to the Italian dinner table, she learned that you had to just talk louder than everybody else or you would never be heard. <laughs> so she did. <laughs> She's Irish, so you know, she can, she can hold her own. So Judah steps up, and Judah said to his father, Israel, send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die. Look, Dad, we're up against the wall here. We as well as you and our little ones, there's a lot at stake. I myself, says Judah, will be surety for him. You may hold me responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame before you forever. Wow. Judah steps up. Judah's becoming a man of honor. And there's some interesting symbolism here, I think, with the lion of the tribe of Judah. You can maybe ponder that a little bit more. But he says, I will bear the blame forever if I don't come through. For if we had not delayed, surely now we could have returned twice. So time has gone by. They've been mulling over things. Dad's been 
obviously depressed and now they're out of food and Judah's saying, look, Dad, we could have we gone and come back a couple of times. And so Israel responds. He says, if it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best products of the land in your bags and carry down to the man as a present a little balm, a little honey, aromatic gum and myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds. Now Jacob says, okay, I'm going to surrender to the inevitable that you have to go back and you have to take Benjamin, but I want you to take a care package for this mysterious Egyptian leader. So notice what he says to put in there. Put some balm and a little honey and aromatic gum and myrrh. Does that look familiar to any of you? Do you know that the caravan that was uh, going along and picked up Joseph that was heading to Egypt was carrying very similar items? There's some irony here. And so he says, put this care package together and I want you to take all these things, including the pistachio nuts and almonds, and I want you to take it to the man. We want to give you an opportunity right now. Don't waste another moment without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You say, Pastor Michael, how do I do that? Simply this, you cry out to him. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on that cross. Pray it right now. Keep your eyes open if you're driving. I believe you died on that cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe that you are God in human flesh. I trust you as my Lord and my Savior. I repent of my sin and receive you. I'm going to do it your way. Let me be born again by your Holy Spirit. Give me a new start and a new heart. If you're a prodigal, pray something similar. Come home. Come back to the face of grace. That's what the Bible's all about. I mean, look, there's ugly stuff in the Bible, but it's all about a Redeemer. My Redeemer lives. And I'm going to see him one day. And that's our hope, folks, for all of us, because we've all sinned. We all fall short of God's glory. That's why Jesus came. And he came through, you know, really a a human line that's just so much like our families uh, and ugly stuff to save us. That's what God came to do, to save you and me. Trust in him and him alone for your salvation. And if you did that today, please reach out to us if you need prayer. We'd like you to contact us. There's a contact form at livingtruthradio.org. Tell us who you are, where you listen, how the program's been a blessing to you. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, just just say, hey, I decided to follow Jesus today, Pastor Michael. I recommitted my life today. Let us know. livingtruthradio.org, the contact form. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92. Eight eight zero. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.